Welcome to the Waybox podcast. My name is Tally Rye. I'm a personal trainer and fitness influencer. And my name is Ben Foy, managing director and co-founder of Waybox, the brand behind the podcast. And this is your convenient way to get a deeper insight into your favorite influencers, the business of health and fitness, and the topics that we really believe matter. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. You can find us on all major podcast apps. And of course, let us know what you think on Instagram at the Waybox podcast. I'm Tally and I'm here with Ben. Hello. And we have been on a bit of a hiatus, but the podcast Mm. is back. We're back with our interview format and we hope to keep bringing you episodes every week. So please stay tuned. Today, we are chatting to one of the most lovely people I have met in the fitness blogging world. She is a blogger, a multiple marathoner and a dietitian in the making. It is Charlie Watson, a.k.a. The Runner Bean. Hi, thanks. That was such a nice intro, Tally. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. So, with all of these interviews, we like to start from the beginning. We want to take it back to the early years. So, Charlie, um, (laughs) tell us a bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and what was it like growing up and were you active? Um, So, yeah, I grew up in West London in Chiswick. And for those that have followed the blog for a while, know that I didn't leave Chiswick Hill about two years ago because I love it so much. It is a really I think I'd still part. live there if my husband's job didn't hadn't taken us away. Grew up in Chiswick, uh, went to just went to school there, played sport a little bit at school, but it wasn't like a big deal really. And then I went to boarding school, and there was nothing to do, so. I played sport all the time. Oh, really? What sports? Um, so we played hockey, field hockey, a lot. Yeah. I did gymnastics. How St. Trinian's of you. I know, it really was. It was <laughs> very jolly hockey sticks. <laughs> um, except we didn't get hot chocolate afterwards. We got like fr- uh. half frozen donuts. Mm. Yeah, so I literally, I played sport before school, during my lunch break, after school, because I didn't love school. And so it was a way of escape, doing something, you know, getting those endorphins rather than most people just sat in our common room and watched TV like... There was the like mm. the trifecta of like what was it neighbours home and away in Hollyoaks. Yes, like, back to back to back. I used to do that. Ben, did you watch that? Because we're all about a similar age. No, I was more Come of on. a friends binger, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Home from uh, school or whatever and just, yeah, just binge yeah. on friends. Yeah, well, I'd do that after. Yeah. Do you remember when they used to do Double Bill Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I can still... Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to, but I can still <laughs> sing the, I can do the whole thing. thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the stuff I learned at school. <laughs> so useful now. But, yeah, I, I played sport a lot, but it was never about being fit or thin or... Mm. I actually am quite pleased that the school I went to wasn't about that like most of it it wasn't like it was for the no one was dieting we were Mm. all eating loads because we were playing so much sport and that's really interesting from a boarding school yeah I was just about Mm. to say that because it's usually the opposite isn't it it's quite intense and Mm. and you often associate yeah yeah. you often associate especially especially for for women girls you respect you associate boarding school with um bad body image a lot of comparison yeah. um i think it helped that a our uniform was the least flattering thing in the world <laughs> um we had like lilac blouses that i'm pretty sure my granny owned similar <laughs> or a polo neck back before polo necks were cool again yeah and it was just so unflattering and especially the group of friends that was i was it all in. girls by the way yeah so it was all girls. And so you'd look disgusting until about Friday at two o'clock where everyone would straighten their hair <laughs> and like put, try and put makeup on, but that wasn't really like makeup, makeup. Like you'd put a clear mascara on. Yes. Like. <laughs> um, but yeah, we would, I would go back to school on a Sunday evening with my tuck box, which is like a little box at the end of my bed, full of sweets and crisps and chocolate and 
yeah, I just was playing so much sport that I literally could get away with it. I was eating mm. so much junk food because we would get to lunch with 15 minutes and it would be the end of whatever was left. So I'd like, yeah, have like... So you just have whatever. Yeah, like Which, rice you know and what? cucumber. I think that's like how, yeah, how a kind of a, a kid should be, isn't it? I just have that experience of... Well, do you, do you think we were, like you said, we're a similar age, so I think we were like the last generation that playing out meant like going to knock yeah. on someone's door. Yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't, on the street. I yeah, literally yeah. ride my bike up and yeah, down yeah. my street that I lived on. Yeah. yeah. Run up to someone's house, knock on the door and say, hi, is so-and-so yeah. playing out? Like that That was literally... That or was you'd hear age. them yeah. outside yeah. and you'd be like, mum, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go. <laughs> and we'd all club together our like pocket money and buy a big box of Smarties and share them out like people would have different colours and yeah it was really innocent before like Instagram (laughs) and um, yeah but I do think there wasn't any nutrition awareness at school Mm. that was the other thing I was feeding myself like a packet throwing a packet of crisps down Mm. me before I went and played you know an hour of hockey and I I think that there should have been a bit more of a balance like a learning around it so making more informed choices to play better sport rather than it being so a performance. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with, a, like, I was at a very sporty school. Like, mm. I think it could have helped. So we've had, it was a big tennis school and some of the girls have gone on to play tennis at Wimbledon and you're like, you probably weren't having packets of crisps thrown yeah. down yourself. So why wasn't, why was this no, there no overlap between this, like, elite sport and then the, what, those of us that were just playing it for fun. And so when you went to uni, did you carry on playing sport there? Mm. So I actually moved for sixth form. I was one of those girls that was like, I don't want to go to an all-girls school. I want to go to school with boys. And I found a more academic school that was a London day school that I could then be like, no, it's just because I really want to do good A-levels <laughs> rather than be like, I'd like to go to a London day school with boys. Um, <laughs> and so I still played sport there, but nowhere near the same level. It just wasn't as, mm. there was not as much time. We played sport once a week. I was in the netball team. It was more of a fun with my friends. So that rolled over to uni where I played netball for my halls and for my... Where did you go to uni? Leeds. Awesome. Which oh. was really fun. That's your neck of the woods, isn't yeah. it, Ben? Hell of a student. That's a party oh, town, yeah, isn't it? Really, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was really... It was like we'd go and play play netball at lunchtime then you'd all meet for drinks afterwards. Isn't it famous for like a particular like mile-long street or something and they yeah, do like a the famous bar? Yeah, the run, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we said that in you. You say that very knowingly. Yeah. yeah. Very knowingly. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, I just sort of stopped. I played sport, but not really. And my friends weren't that sporty. The girls weren't that sporty. So I just was like, oh, I don't really want to go and do this on my own. It was really competitive at uni level. Mm. So I, that really intimidated me. So I just stayed at like hall and mm. um, I did geography at uni. So we play, I played for the geography league, but... Yeah, quite chill. It's as cool stuff. as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So from then on, where did the running come into it? Because that's played a big role in your mm-hmm. 20s. Where did that start? And how did you come to run your first marathon? So I don't really know how it began in terms of like why I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. It, it, other than I w- wanted to do something in memory of one of my friends who sadly took his life at the end of our uni course um one of my housemates and I wanted to do something really positive Mm. rather than I just went and I partied and I binge drank and I smoked and I was not very healthy and not dealing with it very well and so I was like right I really want to do something positive raise money raise awareness about mental health issues in teenage boys he was just before I turned 21 so he was 20 years old and 
I was like, what is the weirdest, hardest thing I could do? And at that time, that was the marathon. Yeah. And my boyfriend at the time had got a place through a charity and I was like, well, if you can do it, I can do it. So this is about 10 years ago? Yes. Uh, it was when I, I went on a gap year after university. So I ran it. I actually ran it in 2012. So okay. six years ago. But the whole process sort of yeah. thinking about doing it, getting a place through the charity. I got Training. injured and then did it the following year. So, yeah. Wow. So running played a big part in helping you deal with that grief, do you yeah. think? Was that your therapy? It was, At the time it wasn't, but it was just something that I was like, I feel worse when I go out and I binge drink and I get so drunk that I throw up. <laughs> um, I feel worse about myself and worse about the situation than, right, okay, I'm going out. I've cried so many times on runs, but you get back and things are a little bit better mm. and you don't feel worse about yourself. It's literally like a fogginess is lifted when you yeah. get isn't it? Because all the endorphins are flowing and yeah, you clear your head and yeah. everything, yeah. Um, and back in the day, I would go without my phone with like an iPod and so you really would be just like, right, I've gone for two hours, three hours and at the, I had no idea about pace, about like real distance. Like I can still tell you from using Matt My Run from my old house exactly how many miles it was. So I just would go with nothing. And that's, it was so freeing. Um, it, it must be like the ultimate disconnect. Yeah. Because you just get that headspace that, I mean, now, even more so now, is so hard to get. Well, yeah. I don't think I get it on runs in the same way because you're like, got to share this, got to take yeah. a photo, got to, you know, I, I download podcasts, which I love, but then that means I've got to have my phone. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's not quite the same as it used to be. And so during that process of training for your first marathon, I believe that's when the runner beans came to life. Yeah, it was. It was basically bullying my friends into sponsoring me. <laughs> I was like, this is so awful. This is so hard. I'm having to give up so much. And it was not written for anyone other than my friends. And it was awful selfies of me in the kitchen, like post-run, like bright red, and I used to have this pink fluorescent waterproof and I seem to have worn it for every run I went on during that like training period. And it was just basically being like, please sponsor me. And I, um, most people are like, oh, it's so hard to raise money. And for that, I actually, I think I raised like three and a half thousand without doing any specific mm -hmm. like events. I just was like, this is how hard it is. And so many people were affected by Vic's death. I was about to I say. Was, yeah, I just sort of pulled on all of my friends and families and, and he knew my school friends and from them coming to stay at university and he was from West London. So, yeah, it was... Um, and you ran for the charity Mind. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. And we'll talk about it later, but mental health has weaved its way massively through your yeah. blogging life um, and it kind of started with that. But yeah, now it was it's always, something that is more present in your life. Exactly. And it was always something that it was like talking about big struggle with it and the wanting to raise awareness that people that you think are fine aren't necessarily fine mm. and it took me a long time to realize that actually some of the stuff that I was feeling were anxieties mental health issues that weren't normal and so it's something that I never thought I would be talking about my own struggles mm. I didn't realize that I had struggles until I started speaking about it um, and speaking to other people and opening up and being like, actually, I'm not always okay. And I don't think I dealt with his death or some of the other stuff that's gone on very well. And so, yeah, it's kind of been an organic mm. 
growth. It was I never started the blog to share about it, and I never yeah. thought I would or thought I'd have a reason to. Really, it was always about trying to get other people to talk about their mental health issues. It's quite amazing. I think the impact that running has had, going you know, working through your own grief and also confronting yeah. your own issues. Yeah. It's quite like it is a therapy of sorts, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that one thing, though, to be careful of is that a lot of people are like, oh, running is my therapy. and You can't be the professional No, staff. exactly. And, that's, and when people are really struggling, to think that they can just get through it with a run or mm. a gym workout or eating healthily, I think that we've got to be careful with almost stigmatising the real therapy yeah. because mm. I think that there is a place for it for a lot of people and that we shouldn't just be like, oh, just go for a run and you'll be totally fine. It's not, it's more like a plaster or, you know, it yeah. gives you a little bit longer. Yeah, it's um, a relief. It's not... Yeah, it's not and it sh- I think it should be done as, like, alongside it. So there's a place for, you know, more traditional medicines. There's a place for counselling, for therapy alongside running and mm. gymming and yoga and you know whatever really floats your boat so in its entirety what were the things in conjunction with the running that that helped you opening up about it I have I've spoken to my GP quite a few times about it I f- basically I first worked out that um it was a medication that I was on for uh, migraines which I suffer from that was making my anxiety horrendous and I'd never really realized I had anxiety but I was crying all the time and I didn't really realize what was wrong and so I went to my GP and I said this is how I'm feeling and we looked at what medication I was on and she was like oh so this exacerbates if you've got underlying and I was like we have I don't and I spoke to my GP and I said I don't she was like well I think you might do if Mm. this is exacerbating it and so I came off that and I was sort of better I've done that in inverted commas so I I still speak to my GP regularly they're We've changed surgeries, but my old surgery used to be so good just about mentioning it in passing. Like, it was mm. obviously on the notes and just was like, so how are you do- How are you doing? Not what are you here for? Yeah. And I really, really appreciated that because it then it, it's not like I have to bring this up and how do I start talking about this? And how do you categorise anxiety? Because obviously, it, you know, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Mm. When people think, you know, mental health problems don't necessarily need to be. I'm feeling suicidal. Oh or yeah, no. I'm at the depths of my despair. They they can range from, like you say, yeah. like you know, anxiety. How how would you, how would you categorize that and, and help people make um, a judgment on what they're feeling? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a funny one as well because everybody on Instagram has an opinion. So you get people from being like, oh, not everyone has anxiety. Like it's normal to feel nervous. But I first realized that I was nervous for everything. Like not a normal amount of nervous, mm-hmm. like kind of fears that were just totally irrational. Uh, like uh, when it was at its height, every time my boss would go and speak to our boss, I'd be like, I'm being fired. Uh, I'm, th- yeah. This is happening. This is happening. And it would affect my work because I'd be so nervous that I'd be staying like ridiculous hours because I'd be so nervous that it wasn't a high enough quality. Even when I'd got it signed off, I'd be like, oh, I'll just stay there. So I'll just do this. And mine is also like a, a fear that... Nobody likes me. Every there's a song like, or oh, it's, it's a like, rhyme. Oh yeah, you know, nobody, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. me. I might as well go and eat worms. Yes, and that goes around in my head almost every day. Wow. And which is funny because I introduced you as the loveliest person I've met. 
Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. I'm sure my husband wouldn't say the same thing all the time when I'm like left mess. But it's for me, it's irrational fears that people don't like me, that this is going to go wrong, that something awful is going to happen. Um, and just it's like a general uneasiness. Yeah, anxiety. A lot of the anxiety time. tends to be a fear of something that could happen. Yeah, it? that's typically what it what it's. And of. and it used to be fine. It used to be that I was like, right, I'm just nervous about change, and I'd hate changing schools or going mm. to something new. But I think that's that's normal. But it was like, I, I remember like mine also is not to be over an overshare, but mine sort of physically manifests itself in like IBS. And before every night out at uni, I would have to go to the loo a lot, which is not really normal when mm. you're like, these are your friends. You're going to the same club that you go to every week. like, And it would just be this, what if I'm left on my own? What if this happens? What if this happens? And that I've had since I was, yeah, much younger. That's really interesting. Um, so amongst all of that, you are also studying to be a dietitian, which I can yeah. imagine has only added more onto your plate. How do you juggle social media, a degree, your training for your marathons, mm. your personal life? How does that balance out? And like, do you find that can positively or negatively affect your anxiety? Yeah, I think it's a tricky one. I actually, my anxiety got so much better and Coincidentally, so did my migraines when I quit working in corporate London. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before before I went back to university, I was working in publishing. I worked for Hearst for Good Housekeeping magazine, and then I worked for News UK. So although yes, I seem to be doing more because it's like more on my terms, and because mm. it's I don't have to go and sit in an office very often, and I don't have that same work-related anxieties I feel like I'm able to manage it because my yeah. health is better I was throwing up on the way to work multiple times a week with migraines when I was wow. working at Hearst and it was that is I can't even explain how I I don't know how I got through it and mm. I was training for we there? four years um, wow and not happening every every time but mm. um yeah they were awful and I was having you know, head scans, and they were like, "We think you might have a brain tumor because this is really on." Uh, like, it's just know, what you want to hear when yeah. you're feeling anxious. And then they're like, "Oh, it's an eight-week wait for an MRI." Mm. And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to go private because I literally will. Yeah. I'll, you know, yeah. turn myself into a nervous wreck waiting." So, I now I'm like, I've got so much time because I was blogging, working full time, training for marathons, and publishing doesn't pay very well. So I was working another job mm. on Sundays. Wow. So. Now I'm like, there's so much time. What was what was the catalyst to change that working environment? The reason I left Hearst was my boss went on maternity. The boss that I absolutely loved went on maternity leave and it just changed the dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I'd been like, this is fine because she, she also suffered with migraines. So we'd kind of be on the same level and she was a good friend of mine. And then that changed. She went on maternity and somebody took over and I was like, now I don't even have that that I'm enjoying working for someone. And then... While that was all going on, I would I applied to do my dietetics degree, and so, so it kind of naturally came to an end when I got onto my full time course. That leads me to the question: Why dietetics? Why did you decide to change it all up? It's less of a change than it seems because I was working in the cookery department at Good Housekeeping, so I was um, writing and testing all their recipes, writing their food pages, and I was just like, that you know, we're advocating these cakes and these dinners. They're actually like 900 calories and we're saying that it's that this is just a midweek meal and 
there was no education mm. around what we're eating, why we're... Ours was all about taste, which I totally agree with, but I think that there needed to be something along the lines of, this is great for your, you know, for a once-in-a-while treat, mm. or you could make this healthier by swapping the cream for yogurt or something like that. And um, so I started doing that just so that I could add these tips to my recipes to be like, or, or to try and add more nutrients or, um, you know, decrease the calories without compromising on the flavour. And so it was just a kind of me doing my own research. And also at the time, I'd just run my first marathon. And I was like, I'm going to lose so much weight. And then I put on so much weight because I'd get back from a long run and eat an entire pack of chocolate fingers because mm. I was starving and I had no idea what I was supposed to fuel myself with. That seems to be quite a common theme when people are either starting to train for marathons or yeah. just running in general. Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be shredded within yeah. weeks. And then, yeah, it you actually just do same, really long, it? slow runs yeah. that makes you want a piece of cake <laughs> at the end, which you then have and you're like, and then you lie down for like yeah. five hours and eat cake. Um, I've actually got into the habit of getting into my bath with a cup of tea and a biscuit and it means that I'm not I'm not allowed to take the biscuit packet with me which is what I used to do on the sofa so now I'm in the bath and there's a limit of you could, you could always float biscuit. the biscuit packet in a Tupperware <laughs> yeah. or something that. Yeah. <laughs> just be like oh to my husband yeah. can you come and deliver some more biscuits but yeah so it was it was more of a I was educating myself and I was getting frustrated with the amount of misinformation out there and who to trust and who to mm. where to get the right information especially when I was I was taking it from somewhere and then feeding it on to... A mass you know, audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That we're going to take it at face value because if Good Housekeeping says, then, you know, that's mm. gospel to them. So it was more a case of I wanted to get the top level of education in it. So I was like, right, a dietetic degree. And um, somebody I knew gave me some really good advice. Um, Rosie Norman, she used to be... Oh, no, actually, she's uh, Rosie Saunt now on Instagram. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, she was raising Norman at uni. So, and she was like, do the highest level because whatever you want to do from this afterwards, that will really help. So that's where the dietetics degree came from. Amazing. And she's brilliant. She's from she a is. blog called The Rooted Project. And I have much respect for those two. The, they're like a blogging duo as well. You're, you're like an encyclopedia teller. You know everyone's Instagram handle, everyone's blog. No, they're actually so. friends. They are friends. <laughs> they, yeah, they do really I great didn't know her. I didn't know her name before she was Yeah, married. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't remember. She used to be uh, gluten-free Rosie back in the day. Yeah, because she's celiac. Anyway, that's... Yeah, sorry. We're, <laughs> someone else we're going off on track. I have to get them on. Um, yeah, I do. And how has learning more about um, dietetics, about the science of food impacted your relationship to food and running and training? Like, do you find it's easier? Is it more confusing? Are you, do you find it more conflicting? Has it helped your performance? Um, so this is an issue when everybody wants to, I'm sure it's the same for doctors. You tell people what you do or what you're studying and they're like, okay, what should I eat? Mm. And my, everyone's individual. My only piece of advice that scan that's like you know is for everybody i think is eat real food it's very hard to overeat real food like if you you can sit and eat a whole packet of pringles but if you try to do the same with like a bag of avocados you let, <laughs> physically can't although maybe if you put it with crisps and you know guacamole yeah but well it's the real food and i and i think it's it's you know it's getting nutrients in and it's um, eating a balanced diet, whatever that means for you, whether you're vegetarian, whether you're vegan, or whether you eat meat and dairy, which I do, um, and finding something that works for you. I also like that you 
are very much when it comes to just generally your approach to fitness and nutrition as well you know you aren't one for restriction and you are very much uh everything in moderation person which I just think is realistic and achievable for everyone and you know in the blogging world like that answer to most people's questions of what should I eat is like you can have everything in moderation yeah. and if you learn to listen to your body and understand when you're hungry when you're full and and just and like like you said like make mindful choices about your nutrition but like yeah. that's not <laughs> that's doesn't that not making the front page of the no, magazine. It's not does sexy, it? is it? It's, it's not like... sexy, but Ex- extremes tend to make the headlines, don't they? they? Do. So yeah. whether that be uh, veganism or, or vegetarian or, or whatever the kind of the lifestyle choice is, mm. but actually it's the more relatable. Mm. It must be quite difficult when you're trying to follow a very strict diet to have a quote normal life. Mm. Like when you're going to, I've been, I've going through wedding seasons at you yeah. know the last two years, and I cannot imagine having to cater for. You know, oh, I don't eat this, and I do eat this, and yeah. I don't eat like this. no carbs, or I'm not doing this. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, people must have to bring snacks in their handbag, yeah. and because you know, you kind of just get what you're given, really. And the same with the canapes. Um, I'm like really love a good canopy. So I stand <laughs> next to the kitchen as they come out, and I'm like, that's you know, I've ru- usually have run that morning, or I'm running the next day, and I'm like, this is I enjoy this. I'm with my friends. I'm being social, and this is this is my moderation, mm. and then. I'll have had a good, you know, I'll have had scrambled eggs or poached eggs for breakfast so that I'm not going to eat, overeat mm. at the wedding. And but... often at weddings, you end up not eating anything till like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. Exactly. You don't eat anything from like 10 a.m. Yeah. I always have a big breakfast on, on, on a wedding. Me too, day. yeah. And then I'm like, don't drink too many champagnes while they... <laughs> when they're like, it gets to, it yeah, gets to the like... starter and you're like, whoo, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling that. And especially for me, who's a one drink wonder. Oh, that, really? That's enough to really go to my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when will you be fully qualified? When do you complete your... I qualify next May. How many first. is it? Four years? Four. So I am about to go and do my third and final placement at a hospital in... Barbican and I will be there for four months and then I've got a dissertation and one more exam. Wow so it's getting real. Yeah so I think that's a thing that lots of people don't realise is that it's very clinical the dietetics Mm. and I've already spent uh, nearly four months in hospitals on the wards you know literally writing meal plan type things for patients that are sedated and working out their requirements based on their how ill they are and mm. it's it's absolutely fascinating within that sort of like medical spectrum where do they sort of like wheel you in where do they wheel the gp or the surgeon out and wheel you in how do they it really depends on where they are so in like intensive care which i really thought i'd hate and i actually loved you're there from day one because the patient isn't getting any nutrients because they're sedated and they're mm. so you feed them through a tube and that's like day one and then other other wards it's they'll see how they're eating either they'll be nail by mouth in which case they'll be fed by a tube and you're involved quite early or you'll be involved it, it really depends per mm. patient and if they're if they're losing weight or they're struggling to consume enough nutrients because they're you know their infection markers are so high that they they require more nutrients and then you you kind of come in and you're you ch- chat with the patient and with the nursing staff and doctors and see what is a realistic goal for them to try and eat because you know some of these like little old ladies when you're like please could you eat this amount and they're like no yeah um so it's trying to you know fortify their porridge and 
put extra calories into like their porridge so that they don't realise that they're having mm. you know 600 calorie yeah. bowl of porridge and... that must be quite challenging especially in uh, kind of the older generation that suffer from like Alzheimer's dementia as well they don't know what they've eaten sometimes yeah, yeah. or they l- lie yeah. um, and I have to write in my notes unreliable historian yeah. um, <laughs> and I'm like oh they said they'd eaten this and the nurse is like nope um <laughs> My favourite is when people are like, no, I haven't eaten anything. And then you see like a half-eaten pack of crisps or a McDonald's bag next to their, next to their bed. And you're like, okay, did somebody come and eat this? Or like, I don't mind. I'm not going to get cross with you. I <laughs> it's just like you need you to, to know. Yeah. You have to know for your job. Yeah. So from this, are you going to be doing more dietetics or more nutrition stuff through the Runner Beans Yeah, definitely. Blog? I think that I've just had a fear of sharing before I'm qualified mm. because there's so much, as I said, misinformation or people that have done a an online certificate and then are providing advice. I want to be fully qualified, but I am feeling more and more confident now that I'm mm. getting towards the end of the... Is, is there anything throughout the time you've been studying where you've thought, shit, I didn't know that, or that's really surprising or shocking or so, good to know? Um, I mean, not, not a good to know, but... My one of my patients lost ten percent of his body weight in like five days on intensive care, and I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't realize that when your body was because I've always been like, "I'm ill, I don't want to eat," and because I've never obviously been in the state where I'm in intensive care, so I didn't realize that your body burns so much energy when you're. So I went to see my patient on like the Thursday, and then I went on the Monday, and I was like. <gasps> And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't fed him enough. And they were like, no, it's totally normal. It's totally fine. But as a student, I panicked. Mm. I was like p- trying to pump extra feed into him. And they were like, no, 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 you're fine, <laughs> you're fine. Um, so that was a kind of just realising how much energy your body needs. And, you know, when we are asking it to do huge stuff in the gym or mm. run marathons, it's not quite the same, but you do need to make sure that you have given your body enough energy that it can do what you're asking it mm. and recover properly. And it that was on a sort of medical scale, but I can see how that translates into sort of us in terms of our physical, like the stuff we want to do physically, yeah. like running and weightlifting and all that sort of stuff. And have you found that you've altered your kind of nutrition in terms of how you fuel a race how you recover from a race or are you still pretty chilled I'm probably more chilled I often think I can't share what I've actually eaten today um as I I hid my Belgian chocolate ice cream that tub that I finished last night I'm so scared of my husband going home and just being (laughs) like this was full when I left at the end earlier on this week um I I think I'm more informed and I make I make better choices in terms of well, not better. Better for me. I want to just clarify that, that it's whatever works for you is is fine. I think I am less afraid of just being like, no, do you know what? I like cow's milk and I like cheese and I like, you know, I'm not mm. going to, because it's a fad, I'm, I've jumped on less bandwagons. I was about to say, can you see yeah. through a lot of the fads and the trends and just, like you said, you have to find what works yeah and and more questioning like well why am I having bee pollen on my yeah on my you know smoothie <laughs> is it an is essential it, yeah is it really worth 5.99 yeah. sitting in the cupboard having been used going to change my life uh, cacao nibs I do actually really like <laughs> I like them too so actually. that's I, like a treat that's one of my more health yeah. <laughs> I have to say mine is but I actually really like it in the same way mm. that I'm like oh I will spend quite a lot on nut butter because I really like yeah. it I spend too much it's yeah. actually embarrassing 
but then I don't need the bee pollen. Have like, you had um, PB fit? You know the powdered one that you like. Mix not up. real thing though, is and, it? But it may, yeah, but it turns it turns into like it turns into like a peanut butter sauce. It's ridiculous. I have used Ooh. it. It's good for like if you're making like a satay, satay or something. Yeah, Ooh, but nice. you can't beat the real thing. No. I agree. Also, pip and nut. Almond and coconut butter. I literally had it this morning and I had it on my porridge and I put a spoonful in. I was like halfway through, I was like run out of pippin' up yeah. to like cover this bowl of porridge. So I need to go and get another bar, <laughs> another spoonful. So Costco do them in the, the catering size tub. Oh, the, wow. The kilo things oh, are even so bigger. Good. Yeah. So they're like yeah, 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 the size of my head. Well, this turned out to be an advert for Pippin' Pippin' didn't yeah. it? <laughs> so when's the next race, Charlie? What are you? Where are you at with your running? You've done like insane amount of marathons let's just quickly run through it you've done like Boston Marathon and yeah. you've run in Tokyo yeah um, I've done the World Marathon Majors so that's six so it's like New York and there's not Chicago. many women that have done that have, are there? Um, more and more now okay. are, but I was like I want to do it before I'm 30 so I turned 30 a couple of weeks ago um, but I finished them in February that's um, amazing yeah so I've done 11 and I've actually just pulled out of one that's in like three weeks time um, for multiple reasons my shins are not not great and it was my one-year wedding anniversary in British Airways changed my flight so I wasn't gonna miss my one-year wedding anniversary and I was like this probably wouldn't be, go down very well I'm just gonna mm. <laughs> yeah so that's part of the reason and also just um my shins haven't been quite quite right I, I don't have shin splints but I'm like on the edge so I pulled out of that and I'm thinking about doing one in February and then I'm pacing the London Marathon again. I'm really That's excited. so exciting. Yeah. That's like the atmosphere like no other, right? It's incredible. And it's such a different experience being one of the official pacers because people shout even more from the sidelines and they can see you. I think that's the most I've ever seen my family is when I was a pacer because you've got this giant flag on your back. <laughs> and it, people come up to you and are like... I really want to run. So I did 4.45 and I had a little group of people around me and it was so nice. I was like giving out sweets and they were getting water for me. So I'm really thrilled to have been asked to come back again. So if anyone is running the London Marathon this year, I'm going to be pacing 4.45. Um, yeah. That's really cool. So where can people find you, find your blog, find you on Instagram and other social platforms? I am uh, just the Runner Beans on Instagram and just therunnerbeans.com online. Annoyingly, somebody had the Runner Beans on Twitter, so I'm Charlie D. Watson. But if you search the Runner Beans, you'll also find it on Twitter. Amazing. I think this has been such an interesting chat, a whole range of stuff. <laughs> I love your honesty about mental health, and I think that's a huge takeaway point for everyone. Like, check in on yourself, check in yeah. on your friends. Um, you know, if anything you've related to, then get in touch with Mind Charity that Charlie originally yeah. ran her first marathon for. They're a fantastic resource. Um, thank you so much. Thank it's been you. brilliant. Now, we finish every episode with three sentences. You have to finish them. Okay. Okay. The first one is, the biggest misconception about me is... That I always love running. Like, sometimes it really, really is hard to get out of bed or I have runs where I'm like, this was horrendous. I think people are like, oh, you must love every single run. I'm like, no, I don't. I just Do you run, that- walk, all those, like, would you, do you ever, like, walk on a run? Yeah, so actually this training cycle, um, I have been running slower than ever on my off days. So I run for four minutes and walk for one and it's been so good during this heat wave because I'm mm. like, oh, wow. Um, okay, yeah. so when you're feeling gassed and you have to take a walk, it doesn't matter. <laughs> do not worry. If there is one thing I can use my platform to change, it would be? I think it's got to be about the mental health, getting people to talk about it. And 
especially getting people to talk to professionals about it and it not just being like, oh, I went for a run and my anxiety is cured. Like speak to somebody professional. Don't be afraid to admit that you're going to therapy or counselling or on medication for anything that you need it for. That is what it's there for. Awesome. And my ultimate goal is to... My ultimate goal, at the moment, my ultimate goal is to run a Boston qualifying time, which is a sub 335 marathon. But my ultimate goal is just to share like useful, achievable nutrition advice that doesn't make anyone feel overwhelmed or scared or like they're doing the wrong thing. Mm. I love that. Um, Like I said, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Waybox Podcast and tell us what you thought about today's episode. And make sure to keep an eye out on our social media as we want you to get involved with future episodes. Thanks.